Dr. Hunter has entitled today's message, A Forever Kind of Love, and has two scripture texts. First, from the Old Testament, the second chapter of Genesis, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And the second scripture text is taken from the New Testament, 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 through 21. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us of His Spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in Him, and He in God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in Him. By this, love is perfected with us, that we may have confidence in the day of judgment, because as He is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves punishment, and the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because He first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. And now, let's join Dr. Hunter for his message, A Forever Kind of Love. Well, this morning, uh, Joel is going to be talking with us about love. Something I know that is on all of our hearts most of the time. Love. Isn't that just a beautiful word in and of itself? Would you say that word with me? Love. Thank you. You're, you're getting into it already. Um, we struggled a little bit with wondering how we could best set up this message. As you know, Joel has a very difficult time just coming up and jumping right into a message. He's so shy and uh, it's so hard for him. So we wanted to give him what we thought might be a fitting introduction to this subject of love. Thank you very much. We, uh, so what I've done is I've asked a few of my special friends. Here are my special friends right now. Would you greet them with love this morning? Yes. These are some of my special friends. And what we've done is we have searched high and low, far and near, inside and out, up and down, everywhere. We have searched for love songs that would convey this message as none other can. You're going to know some of these songs and you're going to want to sing along. And let me tell you, it's okay because this is done in love. Thank you. I'm sleeping and right in the middle of a good dream Like all at once I wake up From something that keeps knocking at my brain Before I go insane I hold my pillow to my head And spring up in my bed Singing out those words I dread I think I love you Everybody I think I love you So what am I so afraid of? I'm afraid that I'm not sure of a 
talking to There's a rose in a fisted glove And the eagle flies with the dove And if you can't be with the one you love Honey, love the one you're with Love the one you're with Love the one you're with I mean, the depth of those songs is unbelievable. But, you know, there may never be another song written quite like this song. Sing this, Vernon. Thank you, I will. You and I must make a pact. We must bring salvation back. Where there is love, I'll be voice changed right there in the middle. You all sing it with us now. They 
stay our love won't pay the rent Before it's earned our money's all been spent Well I guess that's so we don't have a plot But at least I'm sure of all the things we've got Babe, I got you, babe. I got you, babe. I got you, babe. Very nice. I thought love was only true in fairy tales. For someone else, but not for me. The love was out to get me. That's the way it seemed. Disappointment haunted all my dreams. And then I saw her face. Now I'm a believer. Not a trace. A doubt in my mind. I'm in love. Huh. I'm all shook up for What's wrong with me? I'm itching like a man on a fuzzy tree. My friends all say that I'm wild as a bug. I'm in love. Huh. I'm all shook up. As helpless as a kitten up a tree And I feel like I'm clinging to a cloud I can't understand I get misty Just holding your hand Love is a man's
What is this thing called love? Well, love is blue. Love is a many-splendored thing. Love is a rose. And you better not pick it. Ain't no mountain high enough, ain't no river wide enough. So hang on, Sloopy, hang on. Get on board the love train. Knock three times on the ceiling if you want me. Something's burning, and I think it's love. And remember, love means never having to say you're sorry. I think we can sum it up in one word, and of course we know what that word is. Well, uh, <clears throat> we've played it straight for two weeks. Weeks, we're back to being abnormal now. Abnormal is normal for Northland. We obviously uh, are going to contrast what follows with what just happened here. The point to remember is this, that uh, although we all enjoyed those songs and they even uh, some of them bolstered feelings of love when we were younger, I wonder, uh, you may know some of this better than I do, how many relationships were gone through by those who sang those songs while they were singing and while the songs were popular. I want to talk to you this morning about the summation of this year's preaching in the area of our lives that God wants us to develop a vision for called love. And I want to give you a vision this morning, and you won't catch the whole thing this morning because it's a time-release vision. Okay? God's purposes, by the way, are not management by objective purposes. They're always time release. You get a vision, but you don't know exactly how it's going to go except day by day. Because man order, or man makes his plans and what? God orders his steps, right? So God gives you that vision step by step. But I want to give you a vision this morning of something that is absolutely antithetical to what you hear in the world or what you see in the world. Sometimes you hear it in the world, you just never see it. And it's because the world does not have the capacity to make it come true. Therefore, the vision that I give you this morning will only be possible between two Christians or only be possible from a Christian toward an unbeliever because it comes from Jesus Christ. It has no power other than what it gets and what it can give through Jesus Christ. Turn to 1 John with me. Chapter 4, verse 11. 
This will give us a flavor. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us. And his love is perfected in us. Now, there's that word again. You're going to hear it often. You've heard it all year long. Perfected, teleos. Made complete, matured. His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. And we have beheld and bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him. And he and God. And we have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. For God is love. And the one who abides in us abides in God. Abides in love, abides in God. And God abides in him. By this love is perfected. There's that word again. Love is perfected with us. That we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Because as he is... So also are we in the world. Remember that phrase. It's rife throughout Scripture. As he is, this is for the covenant community. As he is, so also are we in the world. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love. Teleos love. Mature love. Completed love. Casts out fear. Because fear involves punishment. And the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. For the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should also love his brother. What is there about this love deal that is so important that we cannot, listen to this, we cannot have an accurate understanding of who God is without living out this kind of love in our lives? It said in 1 Corinthians 13, Paul wrote, Though I understand all mysteries and have all knowledge and have all faith, so as to remove mountains, if I don't have love, I'm nothing. What is this aspect of life that is so important that we cannot say we know who God is without exercising this in our lives? Why did God make it like that? Well, first of all, let me give you two aspects of this that are important. And I'm, gonna, I'm just going to read through some scripture references. I'm not even going to read through them. I'm going to tell you what they are. And if you want to read through these as you get home, take down the references and you can look them up as you get home. All right? First one is First Chronicles 28.6. He's talking to David and he says to Solomon, he says, Solomon is your son, but I will be his father and he will be my son. So there's the aspect where God becomes known by the love of a father and in having the love of a father. Matthew 6, 8 says, Our Father who art in heaven. There's a type of relationship. In uh, Psalm 27.10, God is known by the absence of a relationship that ought to be there. God says, Though your father and mother leave you, 
I will never leave you. See? The contrast of a human relationship, but yet being known by a human relationship, even the failure of a, of a human relationship. Isaiah uh, 54, 5 says the same thing to a young woman who has been left by her husband. He says, God says, don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. I will restore your honor for the Lord God will be your husband. It says in John 3.29, the church is the what of Christ? The bride of Christ. And Christ is the bridegroom. It says in John 15.15, no longer do I call you slaves, now I call you friends. Right? It says in Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wife and lay your life down for her. Ephesians 5.25 Lay your life down for her as Christ laid his life down for the church. It says in 1 John 3.16 or 3.18 1 John 3.16 No, it says He says As Christ laid his life down for us so we also ought to lay it down for the brethren. There's that covenant relationship again. For the brethren. And I could go on and on. All throughout Scripture, God makes His love known by human relationships. So you say, well, that's, that's pretty easy. We can just know who God is by our relationships then. No, not quite that easy. Things are always a little bit more difficult than they're advertised to be or our first inclination wants them to be. Have you heard that uh, uh, new uh, uh, radio advertisement? about uh, learning Spanish. You know, what do you got on your feet? Shoes. What else you got? Socks. Spell it. S-O-C-K-S. Oh, you just talk Spanish. I did? Yeah, it means that's what it is in Spanish or something like that. S-O-C-K-S. She says, she says, oh, gee, Spanish is easy. See? Like, like that's all there is to it. Vernon goes around to church now going, C-A-T. I wonder what I just said in Spanish. You know? You know? M-O-U-S-C, I'm talking a lot of Spanish today. Now, a little bit tougher than that, a little bit more depth. There's always a degree of depth and difficulty that you didn't bargain for at first. And it's the same way in love. There is the human relationship that bargains and hopes for an easy time, hopes for gratification, hopes for what is long-lasting, but doesn't realize the price. We all walked there at one time, it says in Ephesians 2. 2.2, 2, it says, we all walked according to the world. Now watch this. If you just scrape off the veneer of that, you'll see what those principles really are. Because it, the second phrase is, according to the prince of the power of the air. And you realize that love in the world's way is subject to demonic attack. And you'll realize that it is so... Um, um, non-lasting because Satan is in there trying to break up relationships. But we all walk like that, just hoping for the best, hoping to be easy, enjoyable, and we could last. But there's something deeper and more reverent and more costly. And that's what the Bible wants to teach us about a forever kind of love in the middle of a covenant relationship, a covenant community. As we have it right now, Honestly, most churches don't have a covenant community. Most churches preach this forever love for married couples and families. And all the married couples and families have to look at are the ways of the world because of the ways of the world have seeped into the church. 
That's also how we base our relationships. We don't treat each other as special. We don't revere each other, although the Bible tells us to. There is that quality that we miss. I I knew a girl one time in one of my former churches. She was so sweet. She was a little black girl, about 14 years old. When I say little, I mean physically little. And she loved God so much that when she prayed, she would go into her room and she would put makeup on. And she would get her best dress on. Didn't have very good dress, but get her best dress on, her best pair of shoes, and then go to pray. Now, there's something about the quality of that relationship. Not about the dress, but about what was inside her. That reverence for God. You know what? When we translate that into human relationships, how wonderful that is. The respect and reverence we have for one another. But that's tough to do, especially when most of our relationships are built on two things. They are either built on a political agreement. You know, you find people who agree with you. We love to hang around people who agree with us and who think the way we do. Because it makes us feel right. It makes us feel great. Well, they're smart. I like what they think. I'm going to hang around with them. All the while inside we're going, I'm smart because they agree with me. That's the, that's the one part of alliance that we depend upon. The other part of alliance is what I call profit. We hang around people because we're improved by them. Our status is somehow improved. We either feel better or we look better or we get better. And that's why we build our relationships. But you know what? What happens when disagreements arise? What happens when the relationship becomes boring and you start to feel like you're giving more than you're getting? See, this is the world's kind of love. It's called eros. It's love for the purposes of gratification. We get the word erotic from it. It's not agape love. The giving because of the need to give. It's a seeking love, not a giving love. But God, from the very beginning of his calling out of a people said in Genesis 17, 7 says this I form my covenant with you you can look this up and it will be an everlasting covenant to you and to your children in other words there was a middle community there was a middle kind of relationship that God wanted us to have that could not be encroached upon by misuse that could not be encroached upon by the mentality of I'll use this relationship until I get something better or I'll use this relationship to my benefit or I'll use this relationship to my own confidence therefore that confidence does not come from the relationship the confidence comes from the covenant it's important to note that the church has taken on the fear of the world. And that we don't form relationships very easily in the church because we don't think they'll last. We say, well, this is all well and good, but what about when something bad happens? Churches split. We've seen it again and again and again. Pastors leave. Churches split. People just go off when worship isn't exciting anymore. Well... I won't really put myself into this kind of relationship. And when you have the, the fear 
that a relationship isn't going to last, who's to blame you if you don't lay everything on the line for it? You're just protecting yourself. What has to come first, and God knew this when he made the concept of the covenant, what has to come first is the guarantee that relationship will always be, that person will always be there for you. And then you can give yourself. We can love because God first loved us and gave himself up for us, and he will never leave us. That's why we can love. Now, let me put this in just real blunt terms for you, okay? Just everyday illustrations. We're talking right now about some real ticklish issues in this church. We're talking about baptism. We're talking about, we've begun a conversation about, uh, or somebody has introduced the subject, and we keep talking about this again and again, the role of women in the church. All of these highly volatile Subjects, because all of them have much to do with the way people were raised. And now they associate the truth of Scripture with the way they were raised. And that's perfectly understandable. And nobody likes conflict. But here's what we hear from time to time. Not very often, but from time to time. Here's what we hear. You know what? If you guys don't come down in the right place on this, I'm out of here. Don't do that. Let me tell you why not. In the first place, God doesn't call people together who automatically agree. Jesus didn't do it years ago, and he's not going to do it now. Take a look at that original band of 12. They probably drove each other crazy. You think we got problems. You think Republicans and Democrats are some big deal in the same congregation. You haven't seen anything yet. Think of this. Think of the contrast. Think of, um, for example, think of uh, Peter and John. Peter was a in-your-face, come on, let's just do it. Let's get, whatever he thought of it is, lead follower, get out of the way, let's do something. Quit talking, come on, let's have at it. John was this little guy who just, the beloved disciple, they called him, just laid on Jesus' breast. You ever seen some kid like that? Just laid on Jesus' bread. Just happy to lay there. See? You've probably got kids like that in your house. One's at the door saying, come on, come on, what's... And the other kid's just watching TV. You've told him 45 minutes we're going... He gets up and goes, going? <laughs> we're going? Well, wait a minute, i got to find some clothes. And I'm one at the doors going, God, I'll kill you. Okay. See? You think they didn't have that in the disciples? People are going, come on, John. John is going, going. We're going. I really like it here. Think of Nathaniel and Thomas. Nathaniel in the first gospel, in the, in the, in the first chapter of the Gospel of John. Andrew goes and tells Nathaniel about Jesus and Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? And, and Andrew says, well, come and see. And so Nathaniel just gets up and starts walking. Jesus said, Nathaniel, I saw you sitting under a fig tree. And Nathaniel said, well, pff, you must be the Son of God. I just settled it for him right there. That, that easy. Thomas went through three years with Jesus. 
saw him raise the dead, heal the sick, make the blind to see, fed 5,000 people. And after three years, on the day of Jesus' resurrection, there was Thomas going, I ain't believing until I can stick my fingers in the holes. (laughs) After three years. Can you see Nathaniel in that group going, Thomas, what's the deal, man? I mean, what does it take? And Thomas is going, I gotta do a little research on this thing here. You know, I gotta outline this, you gotta have read several books, you gotta put down footnotes, and then I'll only be about six before he decided anyhow. You think we haven't got that in the church? Look at Matthew and Simon. Simon the zealot, who was a member of the Iscariot. This Iscariot means dagger. This guy was so zealous for Jerusalem. So zealous for the Jewish people, he was sworn to assassinate the Roman persecutors and anyone who sided with them. Who did Matthew work for? Rome. He was a tax gatherer. Any place else but in the presence of Jesus and Simon would have stuck a knife in the heart of Matthew. That's who Jesus called to be a team. Now let me ask you something. The Bible says that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What makes you think 2,000 years later, all of a sudden, he's going to call a bunch of people together that agree? I mean, he's going to change his mind and say, Oh, no, I just want them all to think the same now. Don't you think... He's going to have people in this congregation that you can hardly worship because they're such boogerheads. <laughs> Don't you think that? Why? Because He wants to perfect love in you. Because He wants you to learn to worship not, listen to this, not minimizing your differences. Not compromising your differences. But learning how to love on the non-essentials Believing just as strongly as you believed before. Remember when the, when the disciples were fighting over who was the greatest? Jesus didn't go in and say, well now wait a minute, let's, let's get the evidence together and I'll make a decision. He just went in and said, look, you want to be the greatest? Serve each other. Defer to each other. He didn't, he didn't dress them down for wanting to be the greatest and he didn't try to meld their views together. He just said, serve each other. Period. It is so important that we learn the character of Jesus that got more intense the more inclusive he was without everybody compromising and without everybody saying, oh, now I can see your point and I'm convinced and we can walk together in perfect agreement. No. What's valuable to God. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, Look, you love somebody because they love you? Pfft. What's the big deal? You know? You, you, you want to be around somebody because they agree with you? They're like you? Pfft. Gentiles! The world does that. What more is there? No. You must be, what's the word? Perfect. Teleos. Even as your heavenly Father is perfect. You understand? It is so important. One of the greatest compliments we've gotten 
forever, as far as I'm concerned, was, was uh, Fidel Carvalho. He's a, he's a, Fidel, are you in here this, for this service? Okay, Fidel, you'll love him. He's a little Bolivian pastor. He's so sweet. His spirit is so pure. And he's going to be, we're going to start a daughter church in Cochabamba, Bolivia. And he's going to be the pastor. And I, we are so excited about this. But since he's been up here this time and we decided this and, and so on and so forth, um, he has been sitting through all the pastors' meetings and staff meetings and, and uh, uh, elders' meetings and, you know. And one of the things he said the other day, he looked at, looked at us. At the, he looked at, this happened to be in the pastors' meeting. He says, I want to tell you that this is very strange. I sit in these meetings and you disagree. I mean, you all disagree. But the whole time you disagree, you laugh together. And at the end of the meeting, you love each other. He says, it's not like that in Bolivia. He says, when you disagree, you don't smile. And you walk out. And you're not together anymore. There's a key. There's a key. Can we love anyhow? Because if we can't love anyhow, we have not reflected the love of God in our lives. And I don't mean love anyhow from a distance. You know, one of the greatest jokes that Satan plays. Watch this. This is great theology. Great acrobats, not great theology. One of the greatest jokes that Satan plays is to get two intense Christians together. Make them break up their relationships because they've got to have integrity in the way they interpret the Bible. And make them go apart, both of them, thinking that they're closer to God because of it. And I want to tell you that the laughter rings from the rafters of hell when that happens. Both these Christians thinking they're holier than thou, and I've just split them up. Isn't that a great trick? Don't let Satan do that. You know why? Because the covenant community is so important for an example and a support to the family. God made three institutions from the beginning of time. He made the family in Genesis, Adam and Eve and the kids. He made the covenant community, Genesis 17, and he made the government. The government is just to keep order. The other two are to reflect the personality of God. And this middle one is so weak because Christians come to church in order to get fed in order to be strengthened as individuals. And there's nothing wrong with that, but not in order to love each other long term. Where's the forever ever kind of love here? Well, we stick together. I, I, there's no big... I don't walk out of here thinking there's some big church split. I'm just saying what's good theology here. Where do our kids ever get an example of what difference Christ makes if they don't see the church loving each other in spite of differences. And where does the security for our relationships ever come? If we can't say, I love you with a forever kind of love, there's nothing that can make me leave you, ever. You want to leave me? That's your choice. But we are in covenant together in Jesus Christ. There are a few things that are necessary to be in covenant together, but when those few things are met, there's nothing that will make me leave you. Nothing. I want to give you that vision this morning. Not 
for all of you. It's not something that all of you will catch on to. But it's it's something that some of you are hungry for and some of you can see and it's something that will grow in some of your minds together. And I want to tell you that I will never leave you for anybody else. I don't care if Chuck Swindoll dies and says and uh, uh, leaves a message, have Hunter come out here and do this church. I, I don't care. Because you know what? You're my family. You can fire me. You've got that privilege. But I'm not going anywhere. I'll be here till I die if you want me to. Because somewhere, someone has to say, you're not a stepping stone to anybody. You're my covenant community. And there may be several of you who say, yeah, me too. And I don't know how to do this thing. I think this, I think this may be, you know, on a January 9th when we come together for the practical things of this whole thing. Maybe somebody will know how to do covenant community. I just know about 80 years from now, we'll, we'll know which ones are still here and which ones aren't. Because we'll be the ones going, I know you, <laughs> leaning on each other. See? And we do it not for us. We do it to reflect the everlasting love of God, the forever love of God, because the world needs to see that so badly in order to come to Jesus Christ. And our kids need to see it so badly in order to grow up into Jesus Christ. Let me tell you a story and then I'll quit. There was a young preacher. His name was John Fawcett. He had a little, he was just starting out and had a little bitty tiny Baptist parish up in Edinburgh, England. And he stayed there for a year and years or a few years and just fell in love with the people. Just fell in love with them. But they kept having kids and his family kept growing and these people loved this passion, but they just couldn't do anything. I mean, they couldn't support the guy. Here he's having the kids and they were giving all they could. And he got a call. This is a true story. He got a call from a very prestigious church in London. Dr. Bell had been the pastor there, and he had died, and they had heard of this John Fawcett, came out to listen to him preach, and were thrilled with, with who he was, with his intellect. They invited him to go to this church, and his immediate response was, yes, I'd be glad to go. Not glad because I want to leave these people, but glad because I know it's an expanding part of God's plan for me. Well, the day came to move. They had all their stuff loaded up on the wagon. And all of these people surrounded him. And everybody was crying like crazy. Not because they wanted him to stay. They wanted what was best for him. They knew they couldn't really support him. So they were crying and hoping he'd leave. And he and his wife were crying, hoping they could. And he looked at his wife and his wife says, I can't do this. I don't know how to go. John said, I don't either. Get down. Put everything back where it was. He stayed in that parish till he died 54 years later. 